0: Grammar Girl here, I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about the kind of rack you dry clothes on versus the kind of rack that's part of the phrase rack and ruin, and a meaty middle about how to eliminate adverbs. We have two words that sound the same—rack with a W at the beginning and rack without a W at the beginning, and people often don't know which one to use. Do you rack your brain, W R A C K, or rack your brain, R A C K, for example? Despite sounding the same, the words actually have different origins. We have racks for storing spices and drying clothes, but in the Middle Ages the rack was an instrument of torture. This R A C K spelling comes from a word that meant to stretch. You stretch people on a rack, or at least torturers did. You stretch out your clothes to dry, and I suppose if you want to stretch the metaphor, you stretch out spices on a rack so you can see all those tiny little bottles at once instead of having to get a step ladder like I do to rifle through them in my cupboard. The mental torment meaning of rack in rack your brain and nerve racking, comes from the idea of the physical torment of stretching bodies on the rack. Those are both spelled R-A-C-K without the W. On the other hand, the word wreck with a W was originally a nautical term related to the word wreck. In much earlier times, it meant to be shipwrecked or cast ashore. You can still use it to describe a wrecked ship, and I did not know this, you can also use it to describe kelp and dried seaweed, I believe because of the idea that seaweed is often on the beach or cast ashore. These days, rack with a W is mostly considered archaic. Your quick and dirty tip is that unless you're using the set phrase rack and ruin, or talking about shipwrecks or seaweed, you almost always want the R-A-C-K spelling. Before we get to adverbs, remember that you can get this show ad-free every week by signing up for Stitcher Premium at stitcherpremium.com slash grammar. Use the code GRAMMAR, and your first month is free. Plus, you also get all the bonus episodes I've been making. If you're subscribed to the regular podcast, you heard a segment from one about Words for Color a couple of days ago as a teaser to get you interested. When you subscribe, you can listen to the rest of that show, plus the bonus shows about Schoolhouse Rock and Words for Marijuana. So give it a try at stitcherpremium.com slash grammar and use the offer code GRAMMAR. Now, let's decide whether adverbs are useful or evil. No one likes feeling useless, but adverbs might justifiably feel that way. Adverbs find themselves much aligned because they're often redundant or awkwardly placed. Master writer Stephen King complains about them in his book On Writing, saying, quote, I believe the road to hell is paved with adverbs, and I'll shout it from the rooftops, unquote but he doesn't shout it loudly. He likens adverbs to dandelions. When one unwanted weed sprouts up, more follow. It's not that I don't like adverbs. They modify verbs, adjectives, other adverbs, and whole sentences—sometimes smashingly so. Let's hear some examples. The adverb quickly could modify the verb to run, as in, a tiger, run quickly The adverb overly could modify the adjective sensitive if you wanted to describe an overly sensitive young man. If you wanted to criticize someone's cooking and use an adverb to modify your entire complaint, you might say, clearly, you didn't read the recipe. So adverbs have their place, but often writers can improve their writing by pruning adverbs. Let's quickly deal with adverbs you can easily cut—repetitive adverbs— You could, for example, write, she smiled happily, but that would be redundant, and no one would smile happily while reading your uncarefully crafted sentence. Frowned morosely and jumped up and down excitedly are other examples of repetitive verb-adverb combinations. Most of the time, a descriptive verb will suffice. The norm is to smile when you're happy. Only an unusual smile needs the highlighting of an adverb, A crafty smile or a resigned smile may merit a descriptor. Now for a brief list of very, very useless adverbs, the ones often used carelessly as intensifiers. You should really cut these out—extremely, definitely, truly, very, and really. You can totally use them in dialogue, though, especially if your characters are surfers. Otherwise, avoid them mightily. You'll also hear complaints about adverbs that are used alongside verbs of attribution, which are words such as said, asked, and stated. Some overeager writers think they're being clever when they tack on adverbs to their saids, as in, I told you not to hit your brother over the head, she said angrily. Instead, stick with a lone said most of the time. Let this substance of your dialogue get across the way it's being said— Don't rely on an adverb to do the work for you. When you peruse your close-to-final draft, critique your adverbs on a usefulness scale. If you could cut the adverb without irreparably harming the sentence, please do so and do so happily. Next, we come to adverbs that are allowed to stay but not in their current position. Adverbs unwittingly get misplaced, especially when your sentence has two verbs and one adverb. In the sentence, she was looking at the man thoughtfully, the adverb thoughtfully clearly modifies was looking. Things get a bit dicey if we add another verb, though. She was looking at the man running thoughtfully. Here, thoughtfully could modify two verbs, was looking and running, so the sentence could mean she was looking thoughtfully at the man, or she was looking at the man who was simultaneously running and pontificating. Most readers would likely assume that thoughtfully goes with the closer verb, in this case, running. No matter the correct interpretation, you don't want to leave your readers wondering. Rewrite as appropriate. Either she was looking thoughtfully at the runner, or she was looking at the man who was thoughtfully running. The adverb only also gets stuck in the wrong place. We covered this topic in another episode, but we'll mention it briefly here. If you say, Candace only edits on Tuesdays, you're suggesting that the only thing Candace does on Tuesdays is edit. She doesn't write, she doesn't sleep, she doesn't eat. She only edits. Granted, misplaced onlys pop up in everyday speech, but in writing, it's best to be more precise and use only in the right place. And the right place is almost never before the verb. Sadly, we're at the end of our hopefully-not-useless time together, As you've seen, you're allowed to use adverbs, but use them wisely and only occasionally. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier, who blogs at sentencesleuth.blogspot.com. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all my posts at quickanddirtytips.com. This week, I have shout-outs to Shelly, who listens while driving, John, who loves Times New Roman as much as I do and also listens while driving home, and Jose Zeb, who listens in Montevideo, Uruguay, one of my favorite places. That's all. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast In more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.